Zig Ziglar, ladies and gentlemen, is making an impact. A great you know where you are before you can really determine your chances of getting what you really want. I'm stronger than I was a quarter of a century ago. I can do things that I could not have dreamed. The philosophy of behind this book is now being taught to the young people in the schools throughout America. My friend and yours, Mr. Zig Ziglar. <laughs> This is the Ziggler Edge with Michael Ray Newman. What's up again? Here we go. This is Michael Ray Newman. I'm here with the Monster Millennial Kevin E. What's going on? Out here in Orlando, Florida. It's kind of a bittersweet day, you know. And <laughs> I hate to leave, but you know, got a lot of good information. Met a lot of good people. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I have met have met a lot of really good people. We're looking forward to going in and speaking to them today about some millennial connection and millennial generation generational communication we do we talk a lot on that thing on that as well uh hey you guys are hearing us you know about this but um we're at watchonairlive.com and then we also have an app in the store right that's right the on air live mobile app very cool so check us out there hit us up check us out and uh let's make it happen bro let's do it so uh what time are you leaving today I'm leaving at about, one, let's see, one thirty. my flight leaves, so I like to get there super early, it's just my way, so I'm... Oh, you're probably going to need to in Orlando. I'm going to get there about 11.30. <laughs> All right, man, let me ask you a question. Sure. If you could uh, impact, do something, and you knew you could do something the next two weeks that could impact your career, your family, yourself personally, in a negative way, would you do it? Oh, um, no. <laughs> I don't believe I would. How many, but most people, when I ask that question, what I've just done, you were probably thinking I was going to say you something like it in a way. Yes, like, of course. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, yeah. what would you do or something That's like right. that. Well, yeah. And then, then I ask the question, a lot of times I ask people the same question, if there's something you could do tomorrow uh, to impact your family, your personal life, and your career in a positive way, you think you would. And, and, and of course, everybody raises their hand and yeah. said they would. What I just did, though, initially is disrupt your thinking or upset your status quo. And when you do that, people are open for learning and retention. So when we go into sales a lot and when we're in front of people or anything else, we try to disrupt the status quo initially. And if we'll disrupt the status quo, then people are paying more attention. Right. Because your, your brain's on next, next, next. Yep, always switching we, gears. Yeah, we always talk about that, right? I mean, much as I, I talk about 380 words a minute with Gus up to 550. I mean, I talk fast. <laughs> you do talk pretty fast. <laughs> and I have that accent, so you should see when I go up north and speak, it's like a bunch of question marks over everybody's head. <laughs> trying to figure it out but they got to pay attention but no matter how fast I talk or how I try to get your keep your attention with stories and mentally you're gonna check your or physically check your social media check in on the kids run to the bathroom in your mind so we're always shifting gears so if you can upset someone's status quo or disrupt their thinking they're open for learning and retention and you really can make an impact and that's what kind it's of already working yeah <laughs> you're already you're already paying more attention yep so that's that's what we try to do a lot of times when we're in front of a group of people. But if you're if you're with someone, uh, or trying to really teach someone, or trying to keep someone's attention, think about that. How how you how can we ask how can we act or ask questions in a way that will grab their attention or 
away from the norm. Keep them away from their cell phones for two seconds. The <laughs> ultimate distractor. <laughs> Man, that's but that's impossible. I have phone anxiety, right? Yeah, me too. If I don't have my phone, if my phone hasn't buzzed or rang or ding, dinged in a long time, I'm like, oh, oh, what's wrong? I always have David all? out on the table before yeah, I'm sitting down. I, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's right here to the right, right? Yours is right in front yep. of you. Uh, so I mean, every but every time I do that, I start getting, oh no, something's got to be wrong. No one's yep. talked to me in forty. <laughs> you know, I haven't checked, so I get so I run. My, my phone died, or yeah, I don't have a signal, or something's right. going on. Back it's not in, normal. Back in the old days when it was just TV, it, it was there was a thing with men and women. Um, uh, men don't care what's on TV; they just want to know what else is on TV. We, that virtual remote control, just constantly to, switching the channel, 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 yep. channel. Well, if I'm especially if I'm sitting in an airport, and I do a lot of traveling these days, we're, we're speaking all over the world. It's been a lot of fun, but I mean, if I'm an airport, checking my Snapchat, go to Facebook, go to Twitter, go to email, go to text message. Then I'll roll through Instagram. I mean, it's like a continuous, never-ending. There's always, yeah, you can never keep it all even. I can't stop. And I'm going to sit there, because you're in the airport, and you're like, thank you. Then I do little people. Then I do little people watching. Yep. Then I'll get up and change seats, but I'm a little bit ADD, I have the too. exact same routine. <laughs> yeah. I might get up and walk around a little bit. I'm not actually doing anything. Yeah, I'm just getting no. up and move around for a while. I just got to move. And then all of a sudden, I check my phone, go back. I got to run my track. You know, that's my uh, social media or de- device track is what we should come up with a new term for it today. But today, I want to talk about how, what has happened to millennials? Why are you getting such a bad rap? Uh, Gen Xers, our generation, Gen Y, millennials, they like to collaborate, not compete. Um, they don't want to wait on anything. Uh, Gen Xers and baby boomers talk about how millennials are lazy. They don't want to wait on anything. Entitled. They're entitled, and they just uh, want everything right now. And they go to a job, and they haven't got a promotion in three months, and they walk in and say, when I get my promotion? All those bad raps on you guys. Right? I mean, don't get me wrong. There, There is some of that, I mean, among um, the millennials. But, you know, there's just a few bad ones that are giving everybody else a bad rap. But let me tell you something, brother. Back in my day, when I was at 20-something years old, my dad was kicking my bed, too, telling me I was lazy. I had a super fly mullet like nobody else. <laughs> the hairband was awesome. I think you should go back to the mullet. Yeah, I'm thinking about bringing it back. I'm threatening. I'm threatening my hey, kids if anyone could bring it back, too. I'm threatening to bring it back one more time. But so we were, we thought we were going to be the greatest. We were 10 foot tall and bulletproof. The only difference between millennials and my generation when we were that age is the mullet and the man bun. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank it's God. It's pretty much the same thing. Thank God. There's finally a haircut worse than my haircut. <laughs> I will bag on I don't bag on millennials, but I will bag on the man bun because and how do, how was I to know that the mullet, the mullet was the worst haircut in the history of haircuts? Yeah. I mean, there's no way to know. But now now it's been superseded by I love uh, rolling in the coffee house and looking over and seeing the man bun. The beard and the man bun is oh, thing. Yeah. I can't grow long hair or a beard, so I don't even have the option. Well, I can't. I still have a shave in three days, and I still it just doesn't come. I just can't grow a beard. Either. Me either. But I do get a little satisfaction when I look over at that old boy with the man bun and go, bro, man, you're gonna look back on that and say I had no idea how awful that was. Because <laughs> I look at my flaming mullet too man super fly party in the back business in the front mullet and i'm like my mom was even a beautician i was like why didn't you tell me <laughs> my brother is a classic millennial lives out in la he's an actor and he's definitely rocked the man bun before yeah, he's rocked the man bun. yep so but but here's the, ba- the what we're bagging on the millennials for now there are some differences the big huge number one difference and it scares gen xers and the heck out of baby boomers is technology you guys have the technology now, what you're able to do, and think of, there's just there's been shifts, major shifts here. But what if I was to tell you that it, the millennials are the leaders, and I'm, I'm going to share this later on. But leaders, um, the greatest generation of leaders might be millennials coming out. There's going to be leaders that uh, emerge from your generation, from the millennial generation, that are going to be great. And I believe that. What if I was to tell you that divorce rate was going to go down? 
What if I was to tell you those things? What would you think? I don't know. I don't see the correlation. Well, I mean, we were my generation. I mean, last night we were talking about how old my kids were, and you looked at me like, "What the heck?" Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I got started pretty <laughs> young, right? Yeah. And now, what's I want? The average age of millennials is going up, and they're getting married. They've seen the mistakes that we've made. What if we we told you that what, what we and I'm Gen I'm a Gen X. What if baby boomers and Gen Xers? We told you that the millennials were paying attention when they were gaming on their PS2s and sitting around their house not doing anything. There's some things that you guys have been paying attention to. That's true. And you're definitely not the norm. I don't. Hey, bro, you do. You would do anything not to lose your space, your job, keep money coming in. I mean, that is you, true. You are a you're a worker, bro. I mean, I text you in the middle of the night. You're on it. Yeah, I mean, always. You, you don't mess around. <laughs> but that's really what I'm work happiest is. when I'm working. I don't think I could ever retire because no. I don't have any hobbies. There's nothing else I like that. to do. No, no, no. Yeah, you, <laughs> it's you, you got to keep doing something. Uh, and but you have I mean you have a passion for what you're doing too. So that's that's pretty powerful. What I want to jump into today, and we'll get into the next segment. Segment we'll wrap this up. But what's the difference between X and Gen Y and millennials and the new Z generation and baby boomers? And do you know in 2020 there'll be more millennials than anybody? And we have a new term. It's a competitive collaboration that uh, millennials are really grabbing onto. We'll talk, we'll talk about the struggles they have millennials, and we'll also kind of give you some secret sauce on both uh, what the Gen Xs are thinking, baby boomers, Ys, millennials, all that killer stuff. Stay tuned here on The Edge. More of The Ziggler Edge with Michael Ray Newman is next. Hypocrisy is getting me down. This is The Ziggler Edge with Michael Ray Newman. You've got it. That's right, man. We're back. What's up? What's up? What's up? Kevin E, what's going on? Hey, man, I told you I'm getting the Monster Millennial logo made. We're, we're selling t-shirts. You know, I wanted to ask you because you're doing a speech here at Podcast coming up in just a little bit. Yes, and I so am. I was curious to know if you were going to mention the Monster Millennial. Oh, you know I'm going to. Hey, I'm talking about Millennial Communication or something. I don't know what they titled it, but it's something about Millennials. You know i got to bring in the Monster Millennial. You're going to be there. I'm going to pop. I'm gonna, i got to plug you, bro. Absolutely, I'll be there. <laughs> All right, check this out. You've heard of the helicopter parents, right? Uh, yes, of course. That's well, what we did over you guys. We helicopter just parents. hovered. Yes, yeah, hovered over them. Not, you know, not let them fall down. My mama, she got married when she got pregnant with me when she was sixteen. Got married when she was sixteen. They're still together to, to this day. So they they started young through. as well. They they started young. So uh, when I got so my dad got my mama pregnant, right? She had to drop out of high school. She became a beautician, but this beautiful woman let me just tell you something about her she is the glue the strength the matriarch she's she's when you meet her bro you're gonna she just is awesome holds everything together she holds the whole she's the glue for the family too my mom's the same way she's had this but she's always had this this homespun wisdom and uh, uh, instinct about her as being a parent when I was six years old all I wanted to do ever was play football from six years, I mean, I was, and then they had this little flyer they gave me at school about the football team, right? Yep. But you got to understand, I was a runt. I was the runt of the litter, little bitty kid. And I was the smallest of everybody else. So I went home, it was a week before tryouts, and I busted in the front door, and I said, finally, I'm going to get to play. Check it out, Mom. She's looked at me kind of weird. And I know in the back of her mind, she's thinking, you're too small. But then she said, well, go ask your dad. Well, ask my dad, and you know I'm kind of an ADD guy. So he's like, hmm, okay, yeah, well, that's not until next week. Come back to me then. Thinking yeah. I was going to forget. Right, right, right. Bro, move on not, to something else. I did not move on all week long. The next Friday came, I busted up. Here I am, right here, Dad. Let's go. He looks at me kind of funny. He went so he goes over to my mama and he said, they huddled up and they were talking. And he came. He goes, all right, let's go. 
he jumps in the truck and says, let me tell you something, boy. I'm, we'll sign you up, let you play. But you're not going to quit, and you're going to not want to go to practice. It's going to be cold. It's going to be hot, and you're going to get through some really tough times. You might get hit hard. You might get hurt, but you will not quit. And I said, no problem. No, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Whatever you want. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, you just sign me up. Just sign me up. <laughs> Whatever you want to hear. But he goes, besides, at the end of the season, if you decide not to play anymore, that's okay. That's not quitting. That's retiring. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that makes sense to a six-year-old to retire if I don't like it. It does. Yeah. So I get up there, and I'm going to sign up. And the coach looks around the little table, and he says to my dad, he goes, he's a little too small. You better come back next year. Ooh, man. I, that's the first time I ever remember that in my deep. life. Oh, bro. At six years old, I was so mad. My eyeballs started swelling up, and I was going to cry. But not because I was hurt. I was pissed. Yeah. I was upset. I was mad. My dad, I guess, looks at me and he says, here's his money, here's his birth certificate he's playing. So we go home at the time, and that's before cell phones, obviously, and everything else. And I bust in the little house, and I, I start heading down the hallway, and my mom's doing dishes. She has her back to me. And you know how your parents, they have those eyes in the back of her head? Oh, yeah. And she just, she could tell that I was mad. She goes, hey, whoa, 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 come here. How'd it go? And I said, he told me I was too small. And this woman had me at 16 years old. I was six. So 21 or two years old, didn't finish high school, and listen to this, this wisdom and compare it to helicopter parents today opposed to parents back then. And this is the myth that we've really let the millennial generation down with. She started washing dishes. She was washing dishes already. She didn't even miss a beat. She didn't even look up. She said, what do you think? And I was like, I remember standing there going, I think he's wrong. This is what's killer. She said to this. She kept washing dishes, had her head down, didn't miss a beat. She said, that's all that matters. And at six years old, I remember looking at, that's right. It is all that matters. Yep. And I took off down the hall. Nothing ever was said. But here's what happened. She called, I call back on that moment to this day in my life. When things get tough for me, when people all <laughs> say, you can't do a podcast. People say, you can't be a speaker. People say, you'll fail trying to carry on Mr. Ziegler's legacy. People say I was too small to play ball in high school and college. Never be able to get paid for it. They've always told me that my whole life. Every single thing I've done, every endeavor. My in law said I'll, that I'll fail, buy my clothes at Walmart forever, and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's told me that. When they tell me that, when, I, when people tell me that I'm six years old again, my mom's telling me, you can do it. Even when I got older, she would call back on that moment. Do you remember when that coach said that? And I proved him wrong because I went and I was like the littlest kid on the team and had the hard award and all that good stuff. So I learned from that moment. And I asked her, we've drawn back on that moment before, and she said, I said to her, I said, do you remember that? She goes, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I said, what'd you think? She said, I think he was right. <laughs> you were too small and you were my baby. It is funny though, when it comes to parental wisdom, how many of those moments I've had in my life that made a huge impact on me that I'll bring up to my parents. You say, do you remember that you told me that that day? And they say, no, I don't remember that at yeah, all. I don't even remember. <laughs> you know? Well, that, it made a huge impact. Yeah, and we call back on those moments. Those right? moments, yeah, those are what drive you. Those are what shape you as a person. That's, what, that's the best way to say it. I'm going to steal that line. That's what shapes you and what happens when we discount those thing, things a lot of time. Think about it. And I said, what do you want to do? She, or she, I didn't have to say, what do you want to do? She said, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to call that coach up and say, how dare you <laughs> tell my baby that? I wanted to grab you and say, that's okay. We'll find something else for you to do. You are too small. Think about what parents have done, helicopter parents. They don't, oh, let, yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't let those kids skin their no. knee. And that's, what, that's the deal, see? You learn when it's painful, when we disrupt the status quo, when we upset your thinking. Like my dad says, son, if you climb, I start climbing the tree. He pulls me down. He says, don't climb that tree, son. It's going to hurt if you fall. Well, back in my day, <laughs> my dad would, I'd start climbing the tree again. He would, he, would, he would nudge his buddies and say, watch this. He's about to bust his you-know-what. But what happens now in parents and Gen Xers, and we're, we're at fault. I'm at fault. They would never let, they kept pulling them down from the tree. What happens when he falls and skins his knee? What happens when I fall and skin my knee and I run back to my dad? All of a sudden, I'm open for learning and retention, right? 
It's painful. <laughs> yeah. It hurts. Yep. What's cool about the parents, and this is what parents forgot about, this helicopter parents forget. And believe me, I'm, it's hard for me not to be that way too because you want to take care of those babies because of all the pain that we've gone through and the, the broken marriages and the, the jobs that didn't work out and your dreams didn't come true. But when you let them skin their knee when they're little, they run back to you. And then when you're putting a Band-Aid on it, you're the hero, number one. You're making it all better, number two. And then they're open for learning and retention. Then we have the conversation. Do you see if you climb that tree? And then later on, you might be able to come fall, call back on it and say, you remember when I told you to climb that tree and it hurt? Well, if you keep dating that girl, it's going to hurt. you got to seize those moments anytime <laughs> yeah. you have one of those opportunities because they're not that, you know, they're few and far between. That's exactly right. And if you just, we've got to let them fail because our job is not to raise good kids. Our job is to raise good adults. We have to make an impact. The wisdom. I never my, thought of it that way. Yeah. I mean, don't let, I mean, and here's what happens. Uh, well, I'll jump into that next segment. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But what she's, what, there was times in my life all the way through that her and my dad both said this to me. Yeah, you can do anything you want. As long as you're willing to go through the pain, it might be painful. It might be hard. But if you're willing to do that, like in the truck, my dad said, you're going to practice. You're going to work out. You're not going to let me down. You can't quit because your whole life you'll be a quitter. You can retire, but you can't quit. Right. There's an end point. Because what happened, and I said it yesterday, I say it a lot, the pain is there. We all quit because of the pain. We, we want to cry and quit. Don't cry and quit. Cry and move forward continue because of the pain because you're already through the pain the pain is going to subside but I'm going to tell you something I don't regret anything that I've done mistakes I've made because I, but I've learned from them but there's I lay in bed at night and when I'm by myself or in the sauna or away from my device undisconnected the things I didn't do the shots I didn't take that's what comes back to haunt me but I had parents that said, go ahead, do it. But, you know, it's going to be painful if you do. I believe in you. I know you can do it. Now, your parents were very wise, but you had, you know, several outside parties. And you actually learned this at a young age with the football you know, situation oh, yeah. than I did. But I think we're very similar in that, for some reason, I love being able to accomplish things that people told me I couldn't do. Like, that just makes me want to do it even more. When I was graduating, going into college even, because I didn't go to college until I was much older in life. And all my friends said, what are you going into college to go to radio for? That's a dying business. You can't be successful in radio these days. And I'm still... <laughs> To this very moment, trying to prove them wrong. And now you're crushing just, it. <laughs> trying to. So no, you I mean, are, man. You are. It's, that's awesome. See, that's a powerful story. I love people that share those stories. And when they come up to me, they go, man, I had something just like that happen. Because so many people have been told they're going to suck. And then they, they say, you're right. And their self-esteem's bad. And that that becomes generational. Yep. And I mean, you, you got to fail sometimes. Man, dude. you got to fail to succeed. If you learn, it's not a fail, right? I and mean, believe me, I fail epically. And because we're from Texas... We, you know, we, we, everything's bigger in Texas. That's we, true. We brag about when we have a win, we have a tendency yeah. to look at my great win. But what's cool about Texans is when we have an epic fail, we don't mind telling everybody about That's it. That's also very <laughs> true. It, it makes just, it just makes for a good story, right? Yep. <laughs> All right, man, we come back. We'll wrap this bag, bad boy up and bring it together. We're going to be here on the Ziggler Edge for you guys anytime you want. And let me tell you something. You can do it. See ya. The Ziggler Edge with Michael Ray Newman is next. This is The Ziggler Edge with Michael Ray Newman. That's right, Michael Ray here with the Monster Millennial Kevin E. Hello, hello. Bringing it home today, talking about, you know, little millennials... Gen X, Gen Y, communication. You guys, here's the millennials. Another knock on you guys. You like to collaborate. You don't like to compete. I like to compete. I know. I can <laughs> tell you what you're idea, but I also know your personality. I like to type. collaborate too, though. Yeah. Well, I, we have a new term that we've coined at Ziggler. It's uh, the, the competitive collaboration. 
All right. Yeah, a little a, combination of the two. Yeah, a combination of the two. I like that. And how do we get new millennials in the workplace? And what's happened? Our leadership in our country is really tanking right now, uh, in, in, especially in corporate America. And I'll tell, you exa- I'll tell you a quick story. What's happened? And because of the, it, it's, it goes back to the decay of the family, brother. What happened was, is in the reason helicopter parents became about, and re, everybody gets a trophy. It's all participation, all the things you hear all the time about all these old school dudes that, that uh, we only got a trophy when we won, and I walked to school uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> yep. You know, all three that, miles. Yeah, it all just, it, it, all the stuff that is half made up and half not. There's some true to all of it because they were, but, but here's this guy's, remember this, everybody, all generations, pay attention to this. They were saying the same thing about you when you were that age. The only thing there is now is technology. Now, what has happened, though, and here's, this is what, um, why the leadership, there's such a leadership gap in our country right now. We do so much speaking at Zig Ziglar International on leadership. We still do in a lot of generational communication. is because back when the family was broken, and here's how these helicopter parents came about. They, they, were, they were working 60 hours a week, some of our parents. Some of our parents were changing jobs a lot, they, and they were, dis, they were disappointed in themselves because they didn't do what their mom and dad did, which was work 40-something years at a job, get a gold watch and retire and get a 401k. Yep. That didn't happen anymore. That's not, that's, not how our, that's not how the world works. No. Well, when, and then we got a divorce, and then we came walking home one night after working 60 hours, and little juniors on the PS2 gaming it out, and they look over and they say, you can do anything you want to do. And they did say that to us. And, and then because, oh, I must be good because I do have a participation trophy for every league I've ever played in, so I'm, I am special. Right. Yeah. And they told us that. And, they, and the reason we protected our kids is because we don't want to go to the pain that we have right now. And we forgot but to you tell them. you got to do that. You forgot to tell them this. If you, you can do anything you want if you're willing to pay the price. We stopped saying that. So when millennials would get into the workplace and they would, after three months, didn't get a promotion or going, what's up? You know, but what would happen before our recession, this is the gap people miss. What happened before our recession, middle management came along and they told these little millennials, hey man, come here kid, just chill. Let me just tell you, this is how, and kind of showed them the way. So it was an inadvertent mentor or coach to them was their middle management person or their direct report. When the recession came, companies went into survival mode. They circled the wagons and started cutting. And the most expensive thing was labor. The most expensive piece of labor was middle management. So they cut middle management and they told all the gray beards and CEOs, put your jackets back on and go run the company and get through this. And they did, and it was good. But all these millennials coming in the workplace, they, they're growing up to be middle management now. They had zero mentorship. At home, they just told yep. they were going to be special. They get in the workplace, find out they're not special, and they do suck. And then their mama comes up to the, the office and said, let me talk to somebody about little Junior telling him he's not any, not any good. That is a true story. It happened in Forbes magazine reported that. So what has happened now, the, the leadership gap, and we're t- training a ton of leadership on building winning relationships, building the best you, all those soft skills didn't happen. We have a big gap because now customers are coming back. Our economy's doing better again. Companies are growing again, but we're hiring millennials and customers are coming back with two things. They want transparency now and they have technology, mobile devices. And then now on top of that, these companies are behind with technology, behind on transparency, behind on communication, don't have good management skills because they were just throwing the keys to the next man up. You know, I'm not, I'm not a leader. I have never been trained in it. They had no training at the time, so there's no mentoring. So that's why the gap is there. And this is the collaborative com- competition. Tell yourself this. Millennials, you know, I have a daughter. She's a speech pathologist, Presley. She's amazing. And she's, she's intimidated. What can I, after she gets out of college. And let me tell you something. In your 20s, and you know this, in our 20s, we need more direction oh, in yeah. our 20s than yeah. we did when we were growing up. Absolutely. Because think about this. That's the most confusing time of your whole <laughs> yeah, life. I know it. Oh, you thought it was tough when you were five and six. Yeah. No, those, those are <laughs> yeah. easy street. You look back, and it's funny because I hear Presley and Turner much older than my little 10-year-old, Lily. 
And uh, they look, oh, Lily, I wish I had to worry about a spelling test again <laughs> or something like that. So what happens when we're little, we're told when to go to school, what time to change classes every 56 minutes, a bell rings. Yep. And then our parents run us over to our little select lesson. You don't really have to make many choices for no, 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 no. You're told when to go, what to do. When you get to college, you have a counselor and an advisor. If you really go through the program, you're told how many classes, how many hours you need to take. Here's what you have to do to graduate. We have benchmark, benchmark, benchmark. So we get involved and we make sure we hit these little benchmarks. Then all of a sudden, you graduate, your parents high five and say, uh, we, got, you know, we got a pay raise. You're awesome. Here's your diploma. And you go get a nice pretty frame hanging up on your wall and then say, now what? That's exactly what I was going to say, what I see all the time. I mean, uh, where that disconnection is. So many people graduate and they just expect like, oh, I'll immediately be able to get a job. It's not like that. So they end up, you know, they go into panic mode. Mm-hmm. They end up at a job that isn't necessarily in their industry or what they went to school for. And it's a job that they hate. And for some reason, because they hate that job, they feel entitled to all these different things. And they, they just get to a, a bad place. But I mean, the jobs are always out there. You just got to find it. Man, you're preaching to the choir. And plus, you, are no, you know the struggle because the struggle is real because you lived it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I thought I was so cool when I graduated. I had done all my time at the radio station, interning and all that. I thought I was going to get a job, no problem. After about six weeks, I went into panic mode. Oh, uh, yep. What, what just happened here? And I had to go talk to a, you know, an advisor at school. Even though I'd graduated, I went and talked to him. And I said, you know, in your particular media business, you're not going to be able to submit an application anywhere and get a job. you got to get out there and talk to people and pine pound the pavement and make that's a connection. Right. Somebody has to get you in. You got to knock the way on the pound the pavement, knock on the doors. And that's what happened to my daughter when she graduated from Baylor. She had, she she lived she lived at home intentionally because she wanted to connect with Lily, which is she's ten and Presley's twenty five, uh, and that was a big deal to her. But when she graduated, she was like 23, 22. and it was awesome. She was ahead of the game. She's Miss Overachiever. She's never done anything. She's never had a uh, uh, you know. She's always felt she was Miss. Miss Queen, Miss Prom Homecoming Queen, Miss HS of her school, captain of her cheerleading squad, Miss Overachiever, went to always college, a success. Yeah. Graduated in four years. We were high fiving her for that. Became always good. And then I watched her come home, and she went and got a job not in her field right away because she couldn't. But she had a good attitude. But then she was in the rat race. I mean, she was in the traffic from nine to five, driving forty-five minutes in, an hour back home. The struggle was real. Yeah. And I told her I didn't charge her anything. I said I'm not gonna charge you. You know, take your money and then give it back to you. That's there's no pain there. There's no gold. Just save half your paycheck. You're not used to having a paycheck. Just save half of it. So she's like, that's what she shook her head. Said that makes sense. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing these packages show up on the front door, at more than usual. <laughs> UPS, Amazon. My wife usually yep. has quite a few of those anyway. So then I saw she had this cool stuff. She was going out all the time, and then it came time for her to move out. And I told her mama, I said, this is going to hurt. She's gonna, she's gonna, she wants to move out with her buddy. She signed a lease already. Then all of a sudden it came a couple weeks to move out, and she's panicking. She didn't have money saved. And then she came to me, and I said, I told you. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, that's the worst thing you want to you tell. You paint a pretty clear picture, I but, told, you know. Uh, and that, now she, but what was she there? She's 25 now, in her 20s. And she climbed the tree, she skinned her knee, now she's open for learning and retention. Yep. If I would have pulled that check back, I'm charging you $300 a month of rent. And then all those months giving that, oh, here, good, I saved the money for you. That's, she wasn't going to learn from that. You learn anything. No. And we you would have ended up doing that forever, probably. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Then, then, yeah, then they're living with me. So, but then the balance, Mr. Ziegler's Wheel of Life talks about spiritually, physically, mentally, your career, family, and, your, and uh, family and finances. So we have, we, what he does is rate all those things from one to ten, and I, I drew that wheel and I had her rate that, and I left in her balance of her life where she was, and in finances, of course, she put herself at a one. In her family, <laughs> she gave herself a little higher because she'd been living at home and connecting with us. And personally, she gave herself a medium. She, I mean, it's, she's five eleven, built like the supermodel, but you know, she said I hadn't been working out like I should. And I walked back in when she was connecting the dots, and a big old crocodile tear 
Miss Overachiever, Miss Graduated in Four Years, Miss Captain of Everything, Miss Leader, Miss Charisma, said to me, I'm a failure. That's not true. I mean, she was just lost. Just skinned her knee. She skinned her knee. She needed a Band-Aid. That's yep. a great way to put it. And when, when that happened, she was open for learning and retention, and we, we backed it down, and we, I went through, pulled out the old whiteboard in the kitchen and, and just went through a session with her right there. So if you're in your 20s, it doesn't matter, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. If you're listening to this, we need mentoring. You need coaching. You need wisdom. You need to reach out to somebody in the field you want to be in. And just let, I know you say, I can't ever do that. Why? Because this person told me I couldn't do it. This person told me I couldn't do it. That doesn't matter. What do you think? What do you think? Because let me tell you something. Failure is an event, not a person. Failure is an event, not a person. We can fail. It doesn't mean we're a failure. Quarterbacks throw interceptions all the time. Doesn't mean they're a failure, right? So we strike. If you play baseball, if you can hit, if you can hit 30% of the time out of 10, if you can hit three, you're a rock star and gonna make millions of dollars. And that's a that's 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 a failure rate. There's no successful person that hasn't failed. That's right. At and some point, the more I failed, the more success I've had. That is a fact. Every all my failures I've looked back on, I've done those kind of things. But remember this: when you find some coaching, find some mentoring somewhere in your life inadvertently or ask for it i mean and successful people love to tell you about it i mean they like that so if you go in there just ask stay humble keep your head up and humble understand that you need to be cocky not cocky but confident and there's a fine line between confidence and cocky but make sure you're confident keep your head up keep your ego in check keep your character in check because ego is good to have we've talked about this ego is good character and ego balance each other out. When your ego gets too big and your character's too low, that's when you get start getting cocky, and that's when you're going to make an epic fail. So get out there today, guys. Take the chance. Remember, failure's an event. Break your comfort zone. And like my granny used to tell me, just be nice. Because people won't always remember exactly what you say, but they'll remember exactly how you made them feel. So play nice. See ya. See ya.